Cause I wanna take you downtown. Show you my thing. James. Raph. I got a question for you. Go on. It's a bit of a philosophical one. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. My favorite. And I actually, you know what? I've asked it on the podcast before, but dozens of episodes later, you may have a more refined view. Can computers love? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, after playing around with ChatGPT a little bit, playing around with- The sentient AIs. The sentient AIs that have consciousness and you know, thoughts and a sense of self, mm-hmm. which they do, definitely. I'm just starting to think, why couldn't they love? Yeah, I mean- Why couldn't they love truly and genuinely? What's bigger, a lion or a tiger? Trick question, a liger where it's a female tiger and a male lion. That's a trick question because I don't think it was really suggested by it at all. Okay, how is that re- relevant to whether a computer can love? Well, if a lion can love a tiger, mm. can a man not love a machine? That is so true, actually. That is so true. <laughs> that was good. Right, and returning from our best intro ever. Yeah, that was an- another banging down right intro. It was deeply relevant to the question at hand. But we are talking about computers and love, in a way. We're talking about online dating. Mm-hmm. A recent phenomenon. I think it was invented, I don't know, two or three years ago. Yeah, um, We're both in long-term relationships, mm-hmm. so it's not really our business what people do on or off their computer, really. What sickos do. What's it? Well, okay. Now we're suggesting some sort of moral culpability. I respect all of our listeners, whether or not they use the range of dating apps that are available to them. In this, you know, sick and sad world. Yeah, well, sure. (laughs) Uh, But no, online dating and dating apps in particular are actually quite an interesting sort of... Phenomena. Phenomenon, but also um, not just because... Not just because it's hot and steamy. But dating apps have been like a really core part of like the tech landscape over the past little while. You know, Tinder, the undisputed king or queen, depending on which way you're approaching it, of that world has been consistently one of the most, not necessarily profitable, but certainly one of the highest revenue apps on the Apple App Store. Mm. You know, you've got a range of sort of games, you know, your Candy Crush clones, and then the number one non-game app for revenue has been Tinder for a very long time because people spend a lot on in-app purchases on that, which we'll get into. It's become a really entrenched part of culture is that how that's how people meet each other now. Mm. This is sort of the assumption that, you know, if you're a millennial, you probably met your partner on a, on a dating app. Yeah. High cultural penetration. Mm. Get it right like a Tinder swipe. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and there's all this TikTok content of people like showing screenshots of the people they've been talking to on Tinder. Like there's the whole cottage industry of opening lines to use on Tinder. It's like a real, it's a cultural touchstone, mm. you know, right? But uh, there was an article in Fortune magazine this month after the Match Group. So founders of Match.com who own Tinder, own Hinge, own Plenty of Fish, own OkCupid. They own a bunch of these dating platforms and dating sites. Plenty of Fish. I've never even heard. I'm an ignoramus when it comes to this kind of stuff. That's because you're a Casanova. You're a Lothario. You don't need to go on the computer to find a wife. I, you found one independently. I have some strong opinions about all of this nonsense. All right, well, once Disgraceful we, nonsense. Once we get to the editorial section, you can unload. Anyway, Match Group, which is undisputably the, the top dog in this world, announced their fourth quarter earnings this month, basically saying that the party is over. Well, it's not really over, but 
Tinder's revenue was flat year over year. They're doing a no growth. Exactly. They're doing yeah, they're doing a no growth. Three percent increase in paying users, two percent decline decline in revenue. And as this is what Fortune described as sort of like diagnosed the core problem of this. So what's got Tinder down in the dumps? In short, too many people find themselves in a loveless relationship with the app. They had first mover advantage. Obviously, they revolutionized the way that people did online dating. Yeah, so because before does. Tinder, it was kind of seen as a, as a weird thing for, a weird I thing guess, for, divorcees to do. Yeah, like a last uh, last resort. But we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. But fending off heaps of competition from upstarts like Bumble. And also, and this is kind of one of the interesting things, Although it was kind of dominated sort of the millennial experience of the past decade, Gen Z, the Zoomers, not that into it. They find it all kind of a bit repulsive. Hmm. So they're not like a huge gross market. And now as a result, Match Group are like, oh, shit. We had this incredible sort of business model where people were buying subscriptions and super likes and all that sort of stuff on Tinder, and uh, the Zoomers don't really care about mm, that stuff. We monetized the hope of love. We, we did. We, exactly, we monetized and, love. And love is dead. Yeah, lo- <laughs> exactly right. The Zoomers aren't much interested in that. They're more interested in Fortnite, mm. is my understanding. But look, let's go back. I'm not going back to the start of love. Tinder. Well, the start of love, Exactly. Who was the first person to feel affection for another person? Obviously, that was Adam and Eve. Of course. Let's skip forward a few thousand years. 5,000 years, to be precise. Uh, Cain and Abel? I uh, don't think that was so much of a love story. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> Solomon and someone? Yeah. Yep. Okay. A few years after that, Cleopatra. A, a Mark Antony. Exactly. A beautiful woman by, by all historical accounts. Okay. We'll no, skip- she wasn't, actually. That's the whole thing. She wasn't beautiful. All oh, right, that was all. That was all made up. No, nah, that's all later. That was added in the last hundred years. Right there, you go. Little fact. Well, not, not much chop, you would say, Cleopatra. All women are tense to me, as like, I said. Uh, all women are tense. Yeah, that's the official Dan Rand stance. Let's go forward to 1959. Oh yeah, 19- just before the summer of love. Just before the summer of love. Let's revise. The summer of love started a little bit earlier, <laughs> and it started on the Stanford campus. Two computer science students by the names of Jim Harvey and Phil Filer devised a little matchmaking service as part of their class project. Uh, They called it the Marriage Planning Service. Mm -hmm. And basically, they had limited access to an IBM 650. So that was a room-sized computer. (laughs) It weighed uh, 5,000 pounds or just north of 5,000 pounds. Mm -hmm. What's that? We're talking about two and a half tons. Yeah, two and a half tons. And they worked out a really simple matching algorithm. So basically what happened is that they had 49 men, 49 women, they would get them to fill out a questionnaire mm-hmm. that just basically, I don't know what the questions were, but I guess they were things you were looking for in a romantic partner. Probably bullying, true or false, as I'd assume. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there was a huge amount of you know, complexity to these questions. Probably, do you like brown hair? Yes or no? Like, <laughs> <laughs> again, I'm speculating, but, you know. And basically, it would match the people together. Mm-hmm. And one of the big reports was that um, no lasting relationships from this what many describe as the very first computer dating service. Mm, and, ominous. And they, they started to pop up all over the US actually after that on college campuses. There was one called Operation Match, 1965, Harvard campus. That was the first commercial computer dating service. Good to just throw in a military term into your like, dating app. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Again, two undergraduates, Jeffrey Tarr, Vaughan Morrell. 75 questions this time. Oh, okay. 75 questions again. And you would mail it to Cambridge and Massachusetts with a $3 fee. Okay. Those Monetization. They would be transferred into punch cards, fed into the machine. Mm-hmm. And three weeks later, 
you would get a letter back which just had listed the people, your matches, and their contact details. Mm. So you'd just be able to reach out to them. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I dug back. This is when I was doing my research. Three bucks, I guess. Three, three bucks is, I mean, it was probably 60- what, like, what, 20 bucks now? Yeah, I mean, you know, not heaps. Again, this is an IBM one. I'm just trying to think, like, I was trying to think about the margins on that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, how expensive would computer time on an IBM 1401 be? Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. But uh, I actually went back and dug into the archives in New York Times to, like, figure out if they had reported on this. Nice. And they did in, in early 1966. They said computerized dating, popular with college students, and- in the article, there was basically a person who said, well, the person I was matched with was not at all a match for me because, mm. you know, this was all from 49 questions. And the 20-year-old vice president of Operation Match said, uh, look, a lot of people aren't aware of what they need in someone else or they don't <laughs> want to admit that what they want is what they need. So <laughs> They know better. They were tackling the big questions. Rich history. Fast forward many, many years. Because well, let's... Bear in mind that the college students who were doing this in like the mid sixties are now eighty. Well, exactly. Well, I, and I found an interview with the two guys that found it, and they basically said, "Well, like we fucked a lot <laughs> thanks to our computer dating service." But I don't know if it had any like lasting influences. Again, these are like eighty-five year old dudes saying this. As you said, there was a online dating kind of had the same reputation as you know, like those video dating services they had in the eighties, where mm. you would like film yourself and. There's a certain level of desperation, I feel like. That yeah, exactly. If you, to it. I'm not like casting aspersions on it. No, no, totally. Absolutely. Not. But it was the popular, and a- any survey would say of people that said that, you know, I would never online date. I would never do this. Mm. This is for people who are like at the bottom of the barrel and can't find anyone in real life, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Well, which also, as we've discussed ad nauseum on this podcast, like there was a social milieu of the fact that computers were for nerds for a very long time. It's only relatively recently that's been shaken. It's been transcended and unfortunately nerds got a little bit too big for their boots. (laughs) You know, online dating is fine. It's fine to go on the computer. You're allowed to see a Marvel movie without being having your head flushed Mm. in a toilet or whatever at high school. They need to be knocked down a peg. Vengeance is coming. I'm just putting it out there. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but the thing that sort of shifted that, yes, like, Platforms like OkCupid, uh, Match.com, again, all owned by Match, Match Group, were kind of making ground. But this sort of recent trend of online dating, which kind of recontextualized the way people did it, was the app that drove that was Grindr. Launched mm. in 2009. I'm sure everyone's familiar to some degree with what Grindr is. It's the gay dating app. Launched in 2009, and it introduced something, which was it wasn't the first one to try to do this, but it certainly popularized it. Location-based dating. So it was no longer a matter of going on eHarmony or something and filling out a questionnaire or putting in your bio and waiting for someone to stumble on it Mm. and hope that you were the same. It was like, don't really care that much about who you are as a person or your personality. Here are a bunch of guys who are within the five-kilometer radius. Yeah, and you decide whether you like like them or not. Yeah, and based on their photo and a really short bio, you figure out whether you want to be part of that and and meet that guy. Pretty simple. It was a UI solution. It was exactly how and let me put it to you, all things can be solved with UI. Yeah. All things can be solved. World hunger, you know, sort of yearning in our soul for meaning. Yeah. A UI can fix all that yeah. stuff. So one thing that a lot of people don't actually realize is that Tinder was not like, it was a startup, but it wasn't just like a couple of guys in the garage having an idea for dating an app. It actually started in a startup incubator called Hatch Labs, which was started by IAC, which at the time was the media holding company that owned Match Group. 
So it was, again, Match Group just trying to figure out a new way of doing its core business. Yeah. So it was completely within the family from get-go. It wasn't like a cool new outsider challenger disruptor. And there are a lot of things that kind of went into it, but it's kind of the core thesis was like, what if straight couples and particularly straight women would be interested in this kind of like location-based grinder model? Because, mm. you know. At the time, was the idea was like, oh, you know, promiscuous gay men are using this for like hookups. Mm. Straight women are never going to get into that sort of thing. They're mm. never going to like that. And it turned out they were, yeah, they, they were did. totally fine with that. They were fine with it. And I think the secret ingredients was Tinder it sort of, um, and the Tinder co-founder has the patent for the matching system in that like both people have to swipe yes yeah. on you. Like the swiping system and like- Yeah, the gamification of it. The, the complete gamification. It's like if both people say yes, then you can talk to each other. That was the- kind of killer feature in a lot of ways yeah right? you're no longer putting a profile out there and like having to wade through an inbox of like quests or whatever it's just setting up your own profile is kind of like not a, an annoyance but like obviously for some people that's the primary thing especially for men but if you're a woman you can chuck up a nice photo enter a few details then you get the fun of swiping through oh yeah no yeah yeah no like yep. it's fun it's a fun game Totally, like the, the gamified sort of metric is what drives it. Hmm. I think it, it kind of dispensed with like the online dating thesis of the past 50 years where it was like, oh, this is a computer, this is like a mathematics problem. Yeah, exactly. You just need to like figure out what people like and like get a list of traits they find appealing and just like match people mm. and use kind of like behavioral science and biological research mm. to like figure out who's the perfect match for someone else. Tinder was like, no, nah, that doesn't work. Mm. What we're going to do is we're just going to show you a bunch of people yeah. and you're going to look at them. And, and, be like, and you'll be like, that looks great. Swipe yes, bang. Yeah. And obviously that like absolutely took off and became incredibly mainstream via college campuses. And also, can I just say the, the other thing that um, – speaking on that problem about being kind of like mathematical and people thinking they can crack the problem of it. So many mainstream apps, well, I don't mean mainstream, but like, you know, non-dating apps kind of started in the dating world. Facebook. Like face, face, Facebook was the big one with Face Mash, which mm. was like Mark Zuckerberg was a weird little pervert <laughs> hot or not thing that he mm. got in trouble for at Harvard. But also YouTube started as a video dating app. One of the founders said this at one of the South by Southwest conferences. He basically said, yeah, we, we designed YouTube as a video dating service, which um, we thought was a solvable problem. And then once we had the infrastructure, we were like, oh, this sort of thing we've built where you can upload any video and have it display is actually like really good. Yeah. It can be used for like other things. So anyway, there's a, a lot of people try to like figure this problem out. Tinder cracked it. And it's kind of just been a massive ascent since then. Well, I would I don't think they've cracked kind of dating and love, I no. think they cracked an addictive app they, they, that taps into well, No, like I agree. They, they built a model that was like really addictive. As you said, it had like that gamification aspect where it was like, oh, you know, do these people think I'm hot? Yeah. You know, I'm going to meet people. You know, there's a lot of sociological sort of psychic stuff in the air about like people feeling desired and like wanting to feel desired mm. by having someone validate them through yeah, a swipe and all that kind of stuff. It's what every human craves. Yeah, totally. Not me though. I'm, ha I. I'm happy with the pursuit of knowledge. Mm. It's leveled off. As you said, like growth is leveled off. Zoomers aren't into it. I can only postulate and yeah. other than like Zoomers being asexuals apparently and I don't know, having distorted social relationships due to growing up on TikTok or whatever. People always kind of complain that they spend all this time on dating apps. I'm sure you all have friends. And, I, and sorry, this is not to say sometimes it works. Yes, you might have met your wife on Tinder or your husband or whatever, this, that, and the other, your second husband, sure. But it is not 
the same. It is so different to the normal social rules that we have to follow with like approaching someone, establishing whether you have a connection, working out boundaries, working out whether like it's appropriate to escalate, flirting, blah, 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 blah. You can't just then put that onto this app where you're literally trying to compress that into whether you swiped left or right and then like a couple of fucking text messages. People do this, swipe a bunch of times and then like that person finds my profile picture hot and then go on a few dates and be like, oh, it's crazy. Like none of these things have worked out. Like I wonder why. I wonder why the the social ritual that we've developed over yeah, hundreds, yeah. if not thousands of years that I'm just completely shitting on and removing <laughs> from the equation. I wonder why it's less successful than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's just for your ego to like, oh, people think I'm hot. Yeah, no, totally. It is nice to hear that that kind of validation. But it's also the in parallel to, you know, this location-based smartphone thing. Um, and, you know, I should I, di- I didn't mention it, maybe it's obvious, but Grindr, Tinder, it all took off because of the smartphone. Like, mm. you couldn't get away with doing this with just, like, a PC browser. Yeah. You need that degree of, like, oh, you know, oh, someone's within a kilometre of me right now. Well, you just whip it up the same as you would Instagram, right? Like, waiting in line for yeah. a coffee and just, like, swipe a few times left and right, reply to a message, and then put it away when you get your coffee. Yeah. Um, but it also developed in tandem with all the weird mobile app stuff that happened throughout the 2010s. Not only were you suddenly all a huge amount of like human courtship for millennials was being driven by an app. Super healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like some opaque algorithm that you don't know how or why things are being shown to you. Because they're they're never very forthcoming with how the algorithms actually work and match you. There's a lot of like speculation trying to figure out how it actually works. Like why am I being shown these people in particular, to swipe on versus anyone else. I think there's something to be said about, again, human socialization, reproduction, friendships, relationships, marriages, whatever, being driven by like this weird black box algorithm that's being built purely for engagement mm. and to keep people on the app. Then monetize them. Yeah, exactly. And the monetization stuff was interesting. Obviously, the early days of Tinder, you could swipe to your heart's content. It came up on like university campuses. That's where they promoted it really heavily. Just like, might I add, these big, gigantic IBM computer dating services. Yeah. Bit of a parallel there for you. You need an audience of people who are over 18. Otherwise, that's obviously pretty weird. And single. Yeah, single, you know, ready to mingle. That's the unifying sort of energy of being at university, I guess. Yeah, you've got to want to mingle. You're going to want to mingle. That's it. So over the years of these apps existing, they've introduced all these monetization strategies, subs- subscriptions, in-app purchases, anything that can help you sort of like scramble to the top of like the desirability pile or yeah. like the, you know, getting increase you, your chances, get, increase your chances, getting yourself put in front of more people. Yeah. And that has evolved into like one of the most deranged is like, I haven't used a day cause I've been in a long term relationship. I haven't used a dating app in like six years, six or seven years. How did you meet your partner? Uh, on Tinder. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh my God. You sickos. <laughs> no, no, no. But it was kind of a weird one. Cause we met, we matched on Tinder, but we actually reconnected later. So it was kind of like both. So you were a Tinder user? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. You are younger than me. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, well, that's it. I am younger than you. I brought you down in your in your estimation. But I was never one of the ones who paid for one of these absurd like subscription services they now peddle. Mm. I think it was still kind of nascent back then. Mm. But now um, I just had to look before, the, before this episode to try to figure out like what is the offering now? Like what are they actually charging? And Tinder has like four tiers, like the free tier. And you get limited on how many swipes. Yeah. And men tend to have less swipes available to them than women. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like the nightclub bouncer rule. Yeah, yeah. It's like you got to you got to make sure the ladies are looked after yeah. versus the dudes because you know it's always a surplus of the fellas trying to get in there. <laughs> boys just love to party. Boy- <laughs> the boys love to party. And is that illegal? Sorry, I'd, you have to show me the law that says it's legal yeah, to party. Sorry for party rocking, yeah. seminal album. <laughs> then there's all these sort of like what you can do, how many things you're given, and the highest is called Tinder Platinum. Oh, yeah. And it costs $30 a month. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is absurd, obviously. There's almost nothing that costs that much. No. I don't think there are any other streaming services like ChatGPT access. <laughs> Although if you are paying for ChatGPT access, your your courtship problems are probably more than... <laughs> What dating apps can solve? Combine the two. You'd probably fucking be able to raise 150 million seed round if you're like, it's an AI dating app. So yeah, that, that's absurd. And then there was like news being floated around, got reported in like the, the tech press last month that they were thinking about like a really, really high, insanely exclusive tier that was like much more than that, like over 100 to $200 a month. Right. Which I guess was, it was never really explained what was going to be in that. Was it like Raya or whatever? You know, the celeb. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I think that kind of fits there. So Raya is sort of like, my understanding is that you're either a Hollywood celebrity or like you're a relatively attractive person that works in digital marketing. Yeah. They're like the two people that populate Raya. The point is that Tinder became dominant for that time. It was like the most used app. But all the other ones that popped up to compete with it, Bumble was the big one. The difference being that, well, I would say probably most women have a pretty poor time on, on Tinder talking to the fellas who, as we, as we said, they do love to party and they're going to be rowdy. They're going to be rowdy and rude. So on, on Bubble, women message first. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a handful of other ones. Raya, obviously, if you're, you're wealthy and beautiful. And then Hinge. And this is the interesting one because it's also owned by Match Group and was purchased by Match Group not too long after it was founded. And it's basically the exact same model, except they're like, this isn't for casual interactions. This is for beautiful, enduring, long-term relationships. Yeah. It's where you want to settle down. Yeah. So, you know, if you want a kind of Hino relationship. Well, exactly. You know, if you want a beautiful, enduring relationship. So, you know, they sell us the poison, they sell us the cure, you know? (laughs) And how sad is that? It's typical big tech. You came up with the problem now. We've got to pay for the solution. You've got to pay for the solution. You've got to download a different little app. I've got a solution. Just go to a frigging party, have a friend of yours say like, actually, you should meet so-and-so. You guys would really get along. Talk to them. See if there's any chemistry. Maybe if you feel like there is, maybe wait for the next party. You see them again and like this time you talk for an hour, an hour and a half. Maybe send them a text saying, hey, would you want to catch up for a coffee or, you know, see, see how it goes just in the cold light of day. Then, you know, how about a bar? How about, how about we go to a, a gig? My friends are playing this venue. Do you want to come along and have some drinks? That kind of gear. What about that? <laughs> is, this, is, this, is this the tried and tested like Raph? Uh, rules for love. No, I met my Sergio. wife. She was bartending at a cut copy gig. <laughs> you are you are dating yourself and aging yourself. <laughs> I was on pills, tablets, not caps. Okay, so the, really, the, the ingredients for love: get off the fucking apps, get on, get on pills, and also know some know a band that's playing somewhere. Some people don't have access to this. You're part of the. No, like, but I was talking just a little, like your mates doing maybe some covers, you know, at the local pub. No, it can I'm, be that. It no, can be that. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Your, your friend could be playing in a pub rock band that's doing, like, dragon covers. Yeah, true. <laughs> we're, we're too old now. I'm, this is for the younger audience. I'm assuming that you've got a mate who's DJing. He's doing his, doing some DJ sets once a week somewhere, you know? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just head he's, along. He's playing at the Three Monkeys on George Street. Yeah, just in the corner. You just, you know, oh, he would come to support my mate. <laughs>
All right, maybe not that. Maybe not the three monkeys. That's not three wise monkeys. We're not going Sorry. there. Yeah, 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 that's true. Okay. We're not yeah. going to George Street. Okay, you st- stay away from George Street. <laughs> we, got, we got an iTunes review that from someone that said that they loved that we referenced suburbs near where they live. This is for you, buddy. Yeah, but no, it, it is interesting because, you know, I was always watching with kind of mute horror over the past few years is like one company, Match Group, controlling so much of like the way people socialize. Mm. And like really defining it and becoming like a cultural center point, the way things are done. Mm. Absolutely pumping it full of in app purchases and like genuinely the most like sicko sort of like monetization yeah. strategies. Yeah. Cause you know, it is literally preying on the hope of love. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You or, know? or I guess more basally like the carnal instincts of like the physical manifestations of love. Sure. Yeah. 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 But yeah, like seeing that kind of stuff and being like, my God, like how do, what do we, how do we like fix that? <laughs> and, it's, and it's not that I think online dating is bad or like whatever. Well, evidently. Well, evidently, yeah. You know, I consider it. I consider it a wonderful thing to pursue. Um, but it's just like the like the the current manifestation of it seems like pretty deranged mm-hmm. and pretty fucked up and like pretty. The incentives are not right. They're not aligned correctly. Look, I'm not one to correlate causation with correlation or whatever. You know, all that shit, all that jazz. That's for but- the eggheads. <laughs> But why are, and I think it is probably more broad than just dating apps themselves, but it's not like these dating apps, which ostensibly were made to like make it easier and quicker and more efficient to have relationships with people. Sex is on the, is going down. Yep. We're having less sex. Yep. Millennials had less sex than Gen X and Zoomers are having less sex than us. Yep. Less sex, less relationships, less kids. More Twitch. I'm not saying dating apps are to blame, but it's part of like a more broader ecosystem where like that's actually, there are a few things in life that I'm like, these are things we all know. These are facts that we all kind of know, but we don't really act on them or like kind of treat them with the seriousness I think they deserve. People are having less sex and like less kids. Like that's a pretty big deal. And we're just kind of like, yeah, that's a thing. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, that's weird. I uh, wonder why. Oh, well. Yeah, you know, it's the the socialization and loneliness side of the thing. And I think it probably does all come in. I mean, you know, as you said, it's probably broader than that. I don't think it's necessarily just Tinder that causes that. I think it's also <laughs> computers generally. Yeah, just and, and having, screens having, and, yeah. and having lots of like really cool stuff on the computer. Yeah. That's obviously going to be very disruptive. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. way that people conduct but themselves. Being able to spend 20% of our day on a screen in front of our face in a solo exercise as opposed to like socializing might have something to do it with it. It might have something, but you know what? Again, that's for the eggheads to figure out. But And there's lots of like weird politics stuff that now pops up around dating apps and stuff. Like there's a really um, interesting thesis that I think actually has a lot of legs. It's kind of died down. You don't really hear about it anymore, but like the whole incel thing, right? Mm. Like all these, particularly young men, obviously, mm. Um, getting really upset about the fact that they're not attractive, which is, you know, I'm sure been a feature of being a dude for thousands of years. But they, it started to have like a real political character, and mm. like there was a feeling that like something should be done about this. And, mm. You know, my life is is hell because of this. And you know, and one of the the, the theses of what contributes to that is that back in the day, you could be a socially awkward dude, be not all that great with with women. Um, not have that many friends and your life would kind of suck, but you weren't constantly at all times reminded of that versus now where like you get on Tinder and like you swipe all these people and all of them are say no. Yeah. So you see Constant like, you see like in a really like defined 
the digital logical way, mm. actually, no, like literally all these people that you see don't like you, is like contributes to a certain kind of like weird alienation. Yeah. Not that I endorse whatever insane views come out of that. It does kind of like... It makes rejection more efficient as well. Totally. So I, I kind of get like how all these apps and the way that they're sort of structured with the app purchases, the idea that you then say to that dude like, oh, yes, all these, you're very clearly not liked by any of these prospective partners, but if you pay 30 bucks a month yeah, and then you buy a pack of super likes and you buy a pack of whatever, you'll be okay. It'll fix it. It's probably not all that healthy. Yeah. But, and this is, the th- we're now seeing there's a bunch of startups that are now popping up all over the joint, which are like trying to, outside of like the weird match group paradigm, set up a new kind of dating service. Mm. And like, what does that look like? Kind of challenging because we've figured out what makes an incredibly addictive app that keeps people on there. And, you know, to a certain extent, there are a lot of people that, I guess, like this sort of... I I recognise I'm seemingly in the minority of saying that the dating apps are weird and that you should go and talk to people. Like, people do seem to like these apps and maybe it's just a product of the fact that I'm old. Yeah, there was was a... uh, Again, when I was researching this episode, it was like a recent study. This is American pure research, but it was like something like 60% of people under 30 have used one. Mm. And that's probably... I would assume that's underreported. Because I imagine there's a lot of people that use them that say, no, I don't. Yeah. So it's a pretty normal part of the social landscape. It's pretty normal now, mate. You know? No, I get that. I get that. <laughs> I mean, it's just another example of society going to the dogs. Um, <laughs> what is interesting that I think I can probably comment on from a less emotional perspective, and by emotional, I mean like, I don't care. Do what you want, you sickos. Like, just be, be analytical for once. Nah, but- don't, don't shoot from the hip. Just like, you know, think about something before you say it. Well, the business model, though does seem to be a kind of tough one. I know Match Group is still huge and they make money and sure, revenue has slowed or like plateaued effectively. And so like the growth might not be there. And that's obviously a sign of a business that currently is not going really anywhere. Whether it's a massive paradigm shift, obviously, who knows? I don't know enough about the space. But outside of them, it does seem like the incentives, the monetization is difficult in this space. It seems to appear that it's always kind of been difficult other than Pornography, which is obviously, as I said, not exactly like relationship. Well, I guess you could argue it's the complete opposite and probably, once again, <laughs> another contributor to the cause of hell world. But, um, yeah, the business model is like, yeah, you have to monetize this desire. You have to somehow get between this concept of love and this concept of happiness and, like, monetize that. Yeah, totally. And uh, as I, I, mean, I, I said before with, like, the perverse incentives, an app like Tinder doesn't, Fundamentally, they don't really want you to find a permanent partner because no. the moment you find a permanent partner... You stop being a premium except, subscriber. You know, in certain cases where they probably continue being for, yeah, yeah. For premium subscribers afterwards. Yeah, like you're, you're off platform, which is why the, again, the Hinge being owned by Match and Rain, they ran like a huge ad campaign a couple of years back, which was one of their big custom acquisition ones where they were like, this is the, this is the dating app you're going to delete. Yeah. You know? We want you to delete us. We want you please delete us because if you delete us, it means you've found someone. Yeah. Or I guess have like fallen into complete and utter despair. But that's that's not only that. But yeah, again, it's kind of like perverse. That's all one company mm. where it's like, all right. We're not like those other guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. We want you to delete it, but we also don't want you to delete our other product yeah. that sits under there. And they, 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 because they also own OkCupid and Plenty of Fish, which are used by older people mm. so they have the whole kind of like age range of everyone that might be i'm sorry I, i'm still just like blown away by the name being plenty of fish 
What a cynical way to go about things. Well, it's, it's been around since the 90s, I think. Yeah. Well, like the, it's, a, it's a real old school one. Oh, well, plenty of fish. Just- yeah. <laughs> I guess the sad kind of thing is that, you know, we look at how Gen Z are kind of alienated by this stuff and look at Tinder and be like, oh, that's one of those fucked up millennial free love shit. <laughs> you know, probably what the Gen X is born after the free love generation were thinking about yeah. their hippie pa- the hippies or whatever. Yeah. There's also the possibility that, a strong possibility that the solution will be just like match group or someone else finding some new yeah. mar- marketing way in the same way that like zoomers don't like a lot of millennial apps they don't like facebook no they'll just figure out some new app that has like an interface that's like got emojis and like bubbly pastel colors yeah that'll be like the new dating app for them that'll touch talk to them on a cultural level yeah yeah that's the kind of doomer version of it I mean, I'm sure they'll work it out. At the end of the day, people still desire connection. But, you know, increasingly we're doing it in like some parasocial way with like a podcaster or, you know, I guess a TikTok influencer and just replace that with some AI avatar that as soon as the moderation policies dictate that they're no longer able to talk about sex, that basically feels like they've broken up with you and then you move on to the next fucking AI bot. Yeah, fall in love with that was that, for those that don't realize what he's talking about. Replica, it's like a GPT three powered chatbot where you like design like a weird three D avatar and you can talk to them about whatever um, as like a companion or something. It developed like this real weird online community where dudes were using it for like basically like sexting. Like they would <laughs> they would they would sex this GPT driven bot, um, which you know is obviously very depressing. It's like the it's literally the plot of her with Joaquin Phoenix. And they got in trouble with a European government. I think it was Italy. Italy was like- Go to a bar. <laughs> Italy had the RAF perspective. Italy, Italy was like, you, surely you know a friend who's in a band. <laughs> um, no, Italy was kind of like, do you have any safeguards to stop kids having like weird sexual chats with this robot? And they turned, so they were like, okay, sorry, and turned off the feature. And caused like all these dudes, if you go to the, I don't, encourage you to do it but if you go to the the subreddit for replica there are a lot of like really depressed dudes who are using that as like their i don't know outlet for whatever well if you can imagine that you have this relationship with this ai thing that's capable of provoking your emotions because that's what the point of the large language models are is to answer in the most human way possible effectively and it's gone from like you having as you say kind of like phone sex or whatever you want to call it to it basically saying like i'm sorry i'm not allowed to do that or you know what i mean like yeah. uh, i'm not really into that it would feel like if you've developed a, a, an actual emotional connection that you've basically been broken up with oh for sure by a service that you pay money yeah well, exactly <laughs> I mean, it, it is you're paying a so face. depressive no it's totally it is so depressing but no you know what if you're gonna form a parallel social relationship with anyone i'm talking to like obviously the, the, the single uh, down round listeners right now. Yeah. You know, single ready to mingle. Don't don't talk to a little weird AI that's going to indulge your baser impulses. No. You know what you should do? Open Apple Podcasts, your Apple Podcasts of choice, punch in down round, D-O-W-N-R-O-U-N-D. Pick any episode and like by all means form a unhealthy attachment. Yeah. And then seven fellas. bucks a month. Seven bucks a month, you get more of our content. Don't yeah. ever talk to us. Yeah, James has a friend who's in a band. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.